Welcome to Archiving AK, a podcast of the Archives and Special Collections at the UAA APU Consortium Library in Anchorage, Alaska. We're here to talk about what we do, what our researchers are up to, and to give you a closer look at the world of archives. Hi, this is Gwen, and for this bonus episode of Archiving AK, I will be interviewing Rosemary Austin, an archivist at the Alaska Aviation Museum. Um, so Rosemary, and you go by Rose. Yeah, right? you can call me Rose. Okay. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, my name is Rosemary Austin, and I have lived in Anchorage for just over 20 years. Um, my background is in, um, I have an undergrad in English, um, but I spent about 20 years working in a local bicycle shop, selling bicycles and doing clinics. And I also am a writer and so that's a really big part of what I do is I write about mountain biking. I have published a guidebook called Mountain oh, cool. Bike Anchorage. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so that really got me started on writing articles about bicycling. So that's a big, a big part of what I do is, mm-hmm. is research and, and write about, um, about bicycling. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know like bicycling's huge here. We've got so many cool bike paths and great mountain bike trails. Yeah, we do. And there's there's a big history to bicycling in Alaska. And I think that kind of maybe segues into my interest in archives and history. And that is, um, there was a book that came out many years ago called Wheels on Ice, and it talked about people bicycling during the Yukon Gold oh, Rush. interesting. And yeah, it's kind of a collector's book now, um, but that book just fascinated me. And so sometimes I think about that connection that we have with history, that we're not the first ones who were biking on snow and ice. This was yeah. something that was done a long time ago. And uh, that book is by uh, Terrence Cole from oh, yeah. Fairbanks. Yeah. Um, so right now you're working at uh, the Aviation Museum? Right, so I'm working at the Alaska Aviation Museum, which is located on Lake Hood. So it's a fascinating place to work, both based on the materials and the location, because we're right in the center of aviation. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because of the materials we have. We have so many early photographs of early Anchorage aviation. We have... World War II photographs, um, including aerial reconnaissance photos oh, wow. of uh, that were taken over the Aleutians, which yeah, they're pretty pretty amazing to look at. We have pilot logbooks, which I think are really fascinating. Mm-hmm. They give you a real view of where pilots flew, um, the remote places they were flying, and also maybe some of the uh, events that happened to them, uh, emergency landings, and what happened next. Um, we do have some scrapbooks and photo albums of early Alaskan pilots or maybe a photo sometimes photo albums are put together um, by wives of pilots oh yeah so they've collected all this information (laughs) and those those are really wonderful because they might include correspondence with other pilots or other pilot spouses Mm -hmm. so you get a view of what it's like for the other person in the relationship and sometimes they the 
the wife was also a pilot. So we oh, have a lot of female pilots here in oh. Alaska. So that's that's another part that's really interesting to me is when I find more information about uh, female pilots in Alaska. Um, other things we have would be early Alaska-based airline memorabilia and some manuscripts and personal papers um, and then things that are related to early airmail mm-hmm. because really that opened up uh, communication for Alaska when we were starting to get mail delivered by air instead of yeah. dog sled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably reduce the amount of time it would take. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So are your archives, are they open to researchers to, to use the materials or? Yeah, so most of our, so most of our use is internal okay. when we're doing our exhibits for example we have an exhibit right now that commemorates the 75th anniversary of the retaking of Attu mm-hmm. and for that our curator drew on albums that we had uh, drew on personal accounts that we had in okay. the archives also maps that we had in the archives um, but we do have some outside research researchers who have come in um, maybe they're interested in the history of certain aviation routes, um, maybe uh, interested in who first coined a name for a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was often something done by pilots because they yeah. were the first going through a particular route. And then we have some people who are coming in looking for, or they contact us by email, looking for photographs to help illustrate an article. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of that because our archive is it is open to researchers, but it's somewhat limited. We don't have specific hours mm-hmm. posted, so they need to contact us ahead of time so that I can set up time to work with them on what they're looking for. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you know, but what are your most used materials, either internally or by outside researchers? Yeah, internally, the most used would be things that relate to early aviation and that's internally because we do tours Mm -hmm. and so the people who internally are giving those tours they might want a photo of a certain person or event or a little more information about something. Um, Our curator would want information to help with exhibits so um, most recent exhibit would be World War One commemoration because there were people from Alaska who were involved in World War One Um, and pilots who were involved. So going through the archives, um, so that was one way we were using the archival material to help create an exhibit based on photographs or accounts of people who were in World War I. Other things to get use, again, would be the the early photographs of for example, Anchorage, uh, Merrill Field, mm-hmm. um, or early, um, yeah, the early early bush pilots. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you already said, um, I guess, what types of users you see. You talked about that a little bit in terms of outside researchers. Who's who's usually right? So outside researchers. Uh, would be historians. Okay. Uh, again, looking for information about certain place names or historic routes, and then people who are journalists okay. writing articles for magazines where they want a, a photograph to illustrate 
Um, and, and that's where it becomes kind of tough because sometimes you might have a photograph in your collection, but you might not own the copyright to that photo. Yeah. And we deal with that. that becomes very complicated to explain that to mm-hmm. the individual. And sometimes you might have a collection where it's a photo album or somebody's photo collection and many of the photos were taken by the person who donated or or a descendant but maybe they have photos that were given to them by a friend (laughs) and if you don't know then there's that Mm -hmm. there's that gray area where you want to share the information but you don't want to do the wrong thing by the donor right or there's like the photo that's taken of the the creator of the album, but you know they didn't take it. Right. They could not have taken that photo. Was it their spouse (laughs) Mm -hmm. or was it one of their kids? And, and that's, that's what makes it really difficult because, because we want to share that information. And while we can use it internally Mm -hmm. in our exhibits or in education, that does not necessarily mean that we can let it be published. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That makes it really difficult. Yeah, so you already talked a little bit about um, your your background. How specifically did you get into the archives world, and what route did you take to become an archivist? That's yeah, that's um, that's a really good question because as a as a latecomer to a new field, um, so through my writing, I took a course through the 49 Writers mm-hmm. Writing Organization, and that course was on finding inspiration through primary source materials. And as a part of that class, we visited the Anchorage Museum archives, mm-hmm. and we visited this archive. And it was it was the first time I'd ever been in an archive, because I guess I never thought that it was a place that I should go into. Yeah. I didn't know what, what's in here. Um, and But it really sparked something in me and just made me think, wow, this is something really interesting. And at that point, I started volunteering. I signed on to volunteer at the Anchorage Museum to start processing a collection. And it wasn't very long until I thought, I really want to do this. I want to make this change. And ultimately, I applied for graduate school at Emporia State University, which has a distance and in-person mm-hmm. combined program. And two, two years after enrolling, I was done with my degree. So I have my master's in library science with an emphasis in archives. Mm-hmm. So what do you like about being an archivist? Wow. I, I think <laughs> that's, it's, I think as a person who is naturally curious, I like to be able to dive into different topics and to do a little bit of research on something so that I have a, a little bit better understanding of things and I'm able to piece things together. So that's one of the things I like. I, I also like that once I know enough about the material, I can share that information with other people. So I like being able to play that supporting role mm-hmm. for people who are doing their research for personal use or for exhibit use. Um, the other thing I like is that um, I like feeling that I can be a part of taking care of the materials and being a good steward to materials Mm -hmm. so that they'll be available for another generation and another generation to do their research. So I think 
it's that idea that I can make a difference in terms of taking care of the materials that have been entrusted to the institution. That's that's really big. But I think the number one thing is just it feeds my natural curiosity mm -hmm. to learn more. Yeah, I know I've always been, you know, more of a generalist. And in college, I took all sorts of different classes. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, archives definitely feeds that curiosity about a wide range of topics as well. Right. And even, even though at the Aviation Museum, you might think that it's just one topic, but it's it's not just about aviation. It's really about the development of the whole state of Alaska mm -hmm. and how aviation contributed to it. And so we have materials that relate to that. And it's, again, like finding little pieces to the puzzle and pulling together a story, which is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have collections that the person worked in one field, but they've got all sorts of different topics interwoven in their collection because they did, you know, more than just that one thing that was their primary occupation. Right, and I think that's the thing about um, moving from one field to another. It it doesn't mean that you're not still interested in that mm -hmm. topic. That so topic is still a, an important part of what you do and who you are, but it just means you have this other interest that can be just as fascinating and might lead to maybe some more uh, more knowledge about the other thing that you're interested in. That makes sense? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing you wish people knew about archives? You know, it's it's interesting because I, I um because when I when I think about this question, um, it depends on who who it is okay right because yeah. there are so many different people and different aspects to um, what people should know about archives whether it's somebody at the high level of an institution and what they should know about archives mm -hmm. um, to what researchers should know and what um, donors should know about archives I, I think that from uh, an institutional perspective it's important for people to know that archival work is not a one-and-done mm -hmm. prospect. It, yeah. is, it is an ongoing process, mm -hmm. and just because five boxes were dropped off, it doesn't mean it's been dealt with. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so, so I, I think that institutions don't always know how much goes into archival work mm -hmm. and that there's there are materials that are needed in order to conserve things, in order yeah. to preserve things well. And just just like a library or anything else, if, mm -hmm. you, if you have your kitchen cabinets, there's always a place where you put things. But if you have a house guest, they're always putting things away in the wrong place. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to make sure things are, are ordered so that you can find them later. Um, because access by the user is going to be really important. If things aren't in order, you really don't find things mm -hmm. very well. For people who want to use photographs, I, I wish people understood that we're not trying to hold back materials from them. Mm -hmm. We're trying to protect the copyright of the creator of the photograph. And that's something that's really difficult, I think, because of the internet, yeah. because there's so much material that is free or maybe 
people think that it's free. Mm-hmm. It's been shared, but there really has been no permission to share. Yeah. And so I think that people have maybe a misperception that we're trying to withhold information, but really mm-hmm. we're trying to <laughs> confirm copyright before we can provide that to yeah. them. And I think that's something I wish people knew. And I think for donors, one of the big things for donors is that I think they should know that if they think that they have something that might be of interest, they should approach an archives. Mm-hmm. Don't think that because you're not an official or a president of an organization that your information isn't valuable to researchers in the future. People need. We need to also see people doing everyday things, not just um, signing official documents mm-hmm. or going to opening ceremonies. So I think that this idea that the archives are for um, the uh, so-called important people is is a misunderstanding and that we really need to collect things that are more from us regular people mm-hmm. who are going about our days and I love finding photos of people on their camping trips in yeah. the 1950s. <laughs> it's like, what did they use for a stove? Mm-hmm. What did they wear? What were they, um, what were they using for fishing? Um, what kind of boat were they using? How did they set up that plane? So having those details are so helpful for people who are researching in the future. So I want more people to bring in their collections that are uh, more slice of life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we always try to get, you know, as diverse a perspective on the community as we can. And that's, you know, everyday people as well as, you know, politicians and people that you might expect to be right in archives. Right, right, exactly. And I think that's the, the thing that is when I run into people and they say, oh, I've got these old photos from mm-hmm. this event, and I just tell them, you need to get those to an archive. Those are really important. So the other day, I was visiting with a friend who's um, who was young during the '64 earthquake, mm-hmm. and she brought out the album that her mother had put together oh, after wow. the '64 quake, and it had the handwritten description of what they went through, and then it had clippings. And I just, I, uh, I know she's not she's not going to part with that album, but I told her you need to scan that. You need to in some way uh, make make a digital copy of it so that she can share it with other people. But those are the kinds of things where sometimes there's a point in a family history where people go, this needs to be mm-hmm. sent to a museum. This needs to be in a museum archive. And that's what's really interesting about this earthquake is that people are already talking about, let's get the words down, let's get the photos, mm-hmm. um, collect the memes. Um, so... At the Aviation Museum, um, we did have some things fall, um, but I think what affects the aviation community is knowing what's happening with Lake Hood right now. Because the lake has been slow to freeze this year. Mm -hmm. It has taken, it's been over two months since a plane has been able to land on Lake Hood because the freeze up took a while. And then cracks developed during the earthquake. So that's a long time for people to not be able to run their their ski plane on the lake. Yeah. So yeah. people are still doing wheeled landings at the at the gravel airstrip. But that's something that is to me that's really interesting because that is kind of a, a measure of how we're doing aviation 
in 2018? Mm-hmm. And how does this, you know, maybe we need to compare. How does this compare with previous years? Is this unusual that we don't have ice enough, you know, enough yeah. ice to land on yet? And then the earthquake impacts all of that. Mm-hmm. So imagine places that are trying to, who only have uh, good transportation when their rivers and lakes are frozen. Oh, wow, yeah. That's really tough. <laughs> And how do you think being an archivist in Alaska is different? It's hard to... So because I've only worked in archives in Alaska, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to say. I know that some of the challenges we have are challenges that any organization or business has that needs to order materials from the Mm -hmm. lower 48, and that is the cost of shipping materials. And so just like many other Alaska-based organizations we make do and the the other thing I notice is a big a collaborative effort when things when somebody has materials and they're not going to need them mm-hmm. they'll invite other people and say we have these envelopes and mm-hmm. we don't use them can somebody use them and so I've found that the collaboration and cooperation among archives has been really helpful for me and what I think is also nice is that in Anchorage most of us know each other now (laughs) so people know where somebody works and when something is going on they think oh who would be the person who would know this or who would want this so I think there's a lot of collaboration I'm not sure what it's like in lower 48 archives if it's if places are more competitive and hold their collections more closely Um, and I'm sure here there are some of us who hold our collections closely I want a lot of I want all those aviation photos at the (laughs) aviation museum (laughs) Um, so so maybe we can get a little bit uh, close about what we would like to have in our in our archives Um, but I think overall people are very collaborative and I think it is because of our distance from the rest of the country Do you see that too? Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice that, you know, we're a small community here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does mean, you know, we might not have as much of a support system or a network as some other larger cities. Right. You know, there are some cities that have dozens of archives and, and archivists who you know, are able to get together and collaborate, but it also means that we do all kind of know each other, and yeah, we can we can talk to other people in Anchorage, we can go visit each other, but there are so many places that are so spread out that um, I find that, you know, it's, it's difficult to meet you know, people from the state library right. or from Fairbanks actually in person. Um, right, and I think because there's there's no in-person archivist meeting, mm-hmm. that's something that would be really nice. For example, with ACLA, the Alaska yeah. Library Association, they have an annual meeting yeah. and it rotates around. And this coming year, it's going to be in Juneau. Mm-hmm. And because I'm involved in ACLA, I'll go to that meeting and I'm thinking, well, how far ahead should I go down there because I'd like to visit the state archives. Mm -hmm. And so it's something you kind of have to really go on a big adventure to visit Mm -hmm. one of those larger (laughs) institutions. And 
I think that is something that that can be kind of challenging. Um, the other thing is that when I look at other archives, they're structured so that there's a processing archivist, there's mm-hmm. a reference archivist, there's you know somebody who does the accession, somebody who they're just people who fill specific roles. Whereas in Anchorage and probably the rest of Alaska, people fill all of those roles. Mm -hmm. So I might spend some time doing some processing and now I'm going to spend some time doing some reference or just deal with things as they come in. Yeah, that's certainly how we work here. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, and that's, so I think that's a little different and probably because we have so many smaller institutions Mm -hmm. and also because they're, you know, we're we're in kind of a challenging time where there isn't a lot of funding Mm -hmm. for archives and libraries and museums to have these positions and I work for a nonprofit mm-hmm. and so it's always a challenge to have enough funding for upkeep of the facility, upkeep of our our aircraft yeah. <laughs> which are there because <laughs> we have a lot of aircraft and to keep the exhibits fresh mm-hmm. and to have a, you know the curator working on that so we don't have a lot of staff to do all the things that we need to do and that's a function of being uh, of working for a nonprofit but it's also this great challenge to do the best that we can for the materials mm-hmm. and for the archive and museum so that people will get a value out of it and uh, so so even though it is really challenging to work here because of the constraints it's also very collaborative you know Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of why I love working in the the archives it's just the the people I work with are just fantastic oh great (laughs) yeah I feel really lucky yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I also feel lucky that I could that I could take this path through Mm -hmm. writing to discover this whole world that I didn't know existed and and to now make it into a career and to encourage other people to share their materials and so that's that's pretty exciting too yeah um yeah it's it is a really it's a rewarding career path i think yeah i would agree Mm -hmm. um yeah well i think that's all the questions i had for you today (laughs) um so, yeah, thank you for coming down and being part of our podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me, and I hope that people will consider visiting an archive and think about think about the things that you're interested in and find out how you can uh, research through visiting an archive, not just not just on the web. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. Our next episode will be our regularly scheduled episode in which Veronica interviews UAA history professor Ian Hartman about his research into African American history in Alaska.